Hello and welcome back to another edition of Spotlight, the podcast where we analyse Star Trek from a non-tracky perspective. I'm one of your co-hosts, Liam. I'm joined by my usual co-hosts. That's Paul Wilson. And Matt Brothers, hello. And we've also got a guest with us today to discuss Star Trek Deep Space Nine for the first time on the show. It's Alice Barrent. Hello, Alice. Hello. Uh, Alice is joining us today after when she first started listening to our podcast. Matt made a joke, I think on our first episode, that Star Trek Deep Space Nine was the Star Trek show where they don't go anywhere. Alice was enraged and instantly fired off a tweet to us. She tracked me down. Posting her anger about this situation. Now, I think at this point, I did not even realise that you were that big a fan of us because I'd actually spoken to you about our podcast before and I feel that you slightly played down your Star Trek fandom and then it was only the rage that (laughs) caused within you that brought it all to the fore and it was then that I realised we needed to get you on for the Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode yeah I was just deeply offended that you didn't realise that (laughs) there was the USS Defiance which was stationed with Deep Space Nine before it went off to go do other things and it flew away (laughs) so they did use that as a device to go off and have further adventures that didn't Get based around the station and battle the Dominions. Oh, I see. And the fight appears in zero of the three episodes we discussed today. <laughs> so Matt is sort of his opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, no. is, this is the same thing with Next Generation. They're using the holodeck. I'm yeah. just like holodeck yeah. all the time. It's like, well, they must stay here the whole time. <laughs> yeah. But I'm 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 okay with that now. It's well, good. also as Alice just pointed out, this the first episode does include the space station moving quite significantly. So. There you go. Eat your words. <laughs> and also, this is quite new for us in a lot of ways because we started um, with the movies when we started the podcast. Regular listeners will know. Um, we started by running through all 13 Star Trek films, and now we've kind of rewound to do the TV series. And, of course, there are movies based on the original series. There are movies based on The Next Generation. Uh, Deep Space Nine is the first iteration of Trek uh, where there are no big Mm. spin-off movies based around it. This is just the TV show. Um, So this is completely new ground for Matt, again, um, who'd never seen any DS9. I had seen a handful of episodes of it back in the 90s when it was screening on BBC Two. Uh, and I did enjoy what I saw. I think out of the episodes I'd seen of various Star Trek TV series, DS9 was probably the one I was drawn to the most because it seemed like the darker one. What about you, Paul? Um, I say I have seen a few, um, and I think I sort of joined the show regularly, perhaps maybe for season five and six, and then missed the finale because I lost my subscription to Sky because my dad wanted <laughs> to save money. Uh, <laughs> nice one, Dad. Yeah. Cheapskate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spent thousands on dodgy satellite dishes to get your <laughs> football and things like that which can't I can't get sky high thank you for that because I did get to see the invisible season but um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I didn't get my Stargate SG-1 fix didn't get my Star Trek D-Space 9 fix Voyager I had to have somebody take them for me and drop them over on a Friday night 
Mate, I That's remember those days. Yeah. Uh, literally, a mate of mine. What, dropping tape off? Yeah, yeah. He used to literally tape um, Buffy and Angel off of Sky One for me. When it went over to Sky from BBC and used to give me like the VHSs at school. Meet, I mean, you, in, meet you in an alleyway. Yeah, literally. So much did that, didn't it? I guess 24 is one that went the other way. It went from... Oh wait, did that, 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 that no, twenty four started same thing? on BBC, yeah, yeah. went over to Sky, and that was the dawn of the DVD box set. That's I remember true. twenty four season three. It's the perfect show for us. One it? of the mm. first DVD box sets of a TV series I bought and, and binged. rinsed through yeah. that in like a weekend. We should have been like comparing that. more notes because it would save us a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can have these for a pound at CEX now, but we're like forty quid. You're all yeah. buying them at the same time. Oh my it's like, days! It's Ew. funny, yeah, because this this whole podcast of ours has kind of been leading to this moment for me because like I said at the start I'd only seen a few of the movies but I you know I knew in my core who the Kirk crew was and who the Picard crew was and that's about as far well, as I, well, I, don't, I don't think you knew the next gen I don't I mean it might but I mean you like go back to episode <laughs> 6 the undiscovered country you can hear us put Matt to okay the well I mean I mean knowledge. like I knew there was a bold captain and a visor man and stuff like that but <laughs> Deep Space Nine is the first series that comes along where I didn't know who any of the characters were you know? and it remains that way because this is the uh, you know other than Wolf being technically in both um, there's no DS9 regular that appear in the movies. Voyager even gets uh, Jamie yeah. into Nemesis, and Quark I think was cut out of Insurrection. Um, and uh, there was rumours that like Cisco did a cameo for First Contact, uh, where he gives Worf orders to go to fight the Borg. But that's never been. There's no, never been any stills of that. Oh, okay. It. So yeah, definitely, definitely Quark was cut out. Mm. But that's it. So DS9 really never got there. Yeah. So this was really just known as the one where they don't go anywhere for me, (laughs) and I need to be schooled. So here Uh, we are. Well, we've got Alice here to help school you today, Matt. And one of the ways she's done that is pick an episode for us to watch along with the pilot episode of the series. Every time uh, we do on the series episode, we do the pilot, and our guest picks an episode for us to watch but we're not going to reveal what that is just yet before we get there Alice what we do with all of our guests is we ask them to go through their Star Trek credentials so what have you seen what haven't you seen how much are you into it um, well I've seen all of Deep Space Nine I've seen all of Voyager um, but I got into Trek I think probably the same way most people do which is through the next generation because okay. especially if we're, we're roughly the same age and I think it came yeah. out at that time we were quite young our parents were watching it yeah. so I remember my dad watching it and therefore I caught the odd episode um, I obviously fell in love with Wesley Crusher <laughs> as I do did you? Know, you? Yeah, but not so, for I stand by me but through this way no through yeah. Star Trek yeah I always love the Mary Sue of each Star, <laughs> Star Trek did you cry when they tell him to shut up every time? Oh, I, I was deeply <laughs> on his side well, I definitely didn't watch enough episodes episodes to realise they didn't like him or that yeah. anyone else didn't like him either <laughs> yeah. in the same way that I love I loved Bashir in Deep Space Nine also a complete mm. Mary Sue mm. and Harry Kim in Voyager he was probably the closest equivalent to that kind of role because I had a question actually one of the first things was like from my pilots just viewing alone is Jake Wesley of this show because mm. he is the similar age I thought because it was I don't there was going to be loads of episodes yeah. where he gets into shenanigans <laughs> but no you're saying no, it wasn't well, it was no, Jake is actually Jake at no point ever gets into Starfleet so Nog really is the one who ends up in Starfleet and he's the Ferengi and that's kind of a bigger plot point you mean that thief in the, in the pilot <laughs> the, the little the thief rat in the pilot yeah, yeah. he ends How up being Starfleet how do you get in there with a criminal record <laughs> he got a recommendation from Cisco he really oh. proves himself It's this is why I 
love Deep Space Nine so much because you see the characters change so much from series one through to series seven. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much development. Um, and yeah, Jake ends up being a journalist. So really, he doesn't engage in any point, and he has no interest in Starfleet. Much to the shame of this one. <laughs> okay. well, my, my kind of vision of Deep Space Nine as a station kind of harks to the way the Battlestar fleet kind of works, doesn't it? It's its own its own world, so you got its own quadrant. So I can imagine like there being like a journalistic side and like a media center. Like, does it expand that much? Because in the other shows, when it's just ships, you kind of just got engineering medical and bridge but here I guess you can have like its own shanty towns and feels like a community doesn't yeah, it yeah. yeah yeah it's a different vibe it's good from what I remember and this may not be accurate so I apologise to any fans listening to this thinking I'm deeply wrong it expands out to the point where there's the bar and Quark's bar has the gambling and the holodeck but mm. there isn't and there's, there's the sort of temple where the Bajorans worship there isn't much that goes out beyond that you know that there's a promenade mm. and it's got a lot of business and it's important that the businesses are there mm. for the station but what you get is a lot of people travelling there because of the wormholes they want right, to yeah, yeah. the gamma quadrant so all the guest characters and storylines come to them yeah. Mm. yeah. Are there any kind of like shops that you only see the ones like an ice cream parlor or a <laughs> Some of the restaurants. Yeah. Some like the Klingon restaurant, I don't remember seeing that often, but yeah. then I could be completely the wrong. Like, got shut down. Days, like, you know, <laughs> they only build the Klingon restaurant once Wolf came on board. No, <laughs> no, no. It's, it's pretty much there from season one, from what I remember. So, I mean, no, the. the it's not just because of war. I, I, I like. I really dug that whole promenade setup, and it got. It had like a kind of seedy Casablanca feel. And I just started thinking, like, oh man, like space Casablanca is such a great pitch for a show. Like, just really, if they nail into that, I'm down. Well, so. there is a Taylor's as well because okay. that's where Garrick is based, and he is. Well, it's. I can't remember how it's confirmed in the show, but he's sort of like an ex-Cardassian spy, and he's nice. very a lot of mysterious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Taylor him. soldier spy. Yes. yes, I mean, um, he's not introduced in either of these episodes either. No. Which I was looking out for him because I do. I'm familiar with that character. I really liked mm. him uh, from what I've seen, and I think I have actually seen I, the the season three one that we that you recommended actually. And it just. But it had been so many years ago, it just felt familiar, you know, had that deja vu feeling. Mm. Um, and uh, so I was really hoping he'd pop up, but he didn't on that one. But it's, it's, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, well, I'll wait for another day. On that note, we should probably move into discussion of the series pilot, uh, two part feature length pilot, Emissary. Oh, can uh, I just want to say, oh. Alice, what is your favourite Star Trek movie? Oh, Actually. yeah. Um, I've not really watched many of the films, I've watched the new um, Abrams ones. Do you like them? Yes, well, not into darkness can meh, but um, I really enjoyed the um, the first one. I don't know what it's called. It's uh, just called Star, Star Trek. Trek, and I enjoyed uh, Beyond as well. I don't know if I've got a really f I've got a favourite one. I remember um, the original Wrath of Khan from when I was little, and Kirk shouting Khan, <laughs> and I suppose I enjoy it for that point. But I, you know, I'm not even going to say I have a favourite. Yeah. I just enjoy modern ones and I've not seen enough of the others. It's interesting because, like, you know, you said you sort of caught up with the podcast as well. Had you ever, so was it weird hearing about them without seeing them? Like, oh, it's. Well, because I've listened mainly to sort of the episodic ones. I suppose I've listened to the earlier ones about the earlier films, but I never fully felt. Like, you described it well enough for me not to need to watch this. <laughs> that is, that is around. good, actually. Good. We, we, did, we did dip into the old Wikipedia. And some of them sounded awful. Like, I particularly hated one, and I was like, I, oh, I yeah. don't need that in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Wrath of Khan, I think we'd all definitely recommend yeah. an undiscovered country I think we'd all definitely mm. recommend and they do stand on their own even though Rafa Khan's kind of part one of three it 
and stats like so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, they're both very good movies. Um, and it's kind of, I mean, it's almost weird for me to hear someone who, because I'm such a completist myself, it's almost weird to hear someone who was a fan of later series and hasn't seen some of the films. I haven't really later. seen all of the original series. Like, I've, well, I've seen some of it. So I'm very much... Uh, mm. I've, I've reached the next the mm. next gen point and I've gone forward. Yeah. I, have, I haven't really. Yeah. I guess it is a franchise you can dip in, can't you? Well, yeah. really... but even their films, the next gen films, I've not really seen them either. Yeah. I've seen some I... Nemesis and that's it. Well, we were talking about earlier, like how it's strange Nemesis is the final of that kind of uh, the prime universe, but I think you can take and draw a line from next gen pilot all the way through to the end of Voyager and they all very much the shared universe at the same kind of time. I mean, it's pretty much in real time we see those series overlap as well. You know, because this next this mm. part of the emissary has like Patrick Stewart, yeah, like yeah. in yeah. TNG era, and you know you can you go into the original series. It feels like such a departure from that world. Actually, it does feel very much its own thing. So, mm. but with these mm. three, there's no giant jumps in kind of like costume, production values and everything. Design, yeah. yeah, it all has that mid nineties like, like twenty one season look. show from TNG to it's very sepia. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah, it does feel like there are quite a lot of fans who it's literally TNG, DS9, Voyager, and that's it. That's like, like one in, thing. Yeah, yeah. it's in. They've, yeah. they've watched that and they're massive fans of that, but they've never explored outside. Yeah, because I think that's Enterprise looked me. very different as well. I wasn't yeah. used to that. Mm. And then well, they jumped to Discovery now as well. Yeah, exactly. I think it's because it's almost like all those shows were on at one point or another in the 90s and it almost feels like there's a bunch of people who've grown up with them and that's it they've never explored further than that because it's mm. just literally that's what they grew up still with still waiting for my Spin City crossover <laughs> <laughs> um, so Emissary uh, sorry am I pronouncing that Emissary yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know why I'm having yeah. trouble with that um, so this is the pilot written by Michael Pillar the okay. Screenwriter well, of it, Star Trek. It's, it's funny jumping to, to DS9. Um, I've managed to unearth from the internet the original series Bible sort of pitch document, <sighs> which is written by Rick Berman and top Michael Pillar. Secret. Yeah. So basically, anybody out there with an internet connection, you could also do this. Yes. <laughs> Maybe a couple of I don't have connections. But it's really interesting to me. I haven't really... I looked through it after I watched the episode, so okay. I could have a clean thing. But it's the perfect thing for a newbie to come into, because it is literally a document explaining what the show is to, you know, the network about mm. what it would be. So here's a good primer for the show. The first paragraph. Deep Star Trek Deep Space Nine, a series set in the next generation of Star Trek lore, follows a team of Starfleet officers who take command of an alien space station situated near the Bajoran wormhole, one of the most strategic locations in the galaxy. And that's it. That's the show, isn't it? So yeah, no, very, very true. Um, as you say, Michael Pillar, one of the co-creators, along with Rick Berman, who wrote the screenplay to the pilot episode, um, also responsible for the script to Star Trek Insurrection. Um, this episode was directed by David Carson, who directed Star Trek Generations. I've got a lot of that Generations vibe out of this. Pilot, yeah. yeah, I will talk about that more later because I'm on the same page with you there. So it kind of feels like they're bringing out the big guns there in terms of, you know, these guys, they are the big boys of Star Trek. You know, one of them's written the script for one of the movies, one of them's directed one of the movies, um, and now they're doing the, you know, the pilot for this show. I mean, I, I think... Obviously, both those movies were after um, this pilot, mm. but it feels like they went on to do. I guess this still is, be a big part. I guess this Star is the Trek. first thing post Roddenberry as well. Yeah, uh, Roddenberry died before uh, this you was ruin it. made, um, so it's the first. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first. I should edit that out. <laughs> iteration of Star Trek that 
Poor old Gene had nothing to do with, <laughs> although apparently he did give his blessing. It's the Cardassian Sunrise. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we should mention we're drinking Cardassian Sunrise cocktails suggested by Alice, and they are very, very nice. And thanks to uh, listener Sophie, friend of the show, who put yeah. the video. Oh, yes, thank show. you so much. Yeah, they are delicious um, and nutritious. Uh, so, <laughs> it, here, I don't know whether that's a true fact. So, yeah. um, so here we go, the pilot, first thoughts. Matt, we usually turn to you at this stage, as this is all completely fresh for you. Wait, what are your first thoughts? Well, it's really funny, because since since we've been doing these episodic um, episodes about the series, I've been diving in and watching episodes of the series we last chatted about. So yeah. when we did original series, I started watching uh, sort of chosen picked episodes for that. Did the same for TNG. You not watch any more animated series yet? No. Um, <laughs> ain't got time. Maybe I'll go back. But where I am in my kind of next generation cherry picking order, I just done Best of Both Worlds oh, Part yeah, One. You said, and thank fucking God you did. Well, <laughs> well, now it's like it was the perfect, almost the perfect way to jump straight in. But I'm, I've yet oh to see God. Part Two, so this. But that kind of works because it's happened at the end of. Yeah. So this series basically starts with a recap of Best of Both Worlds. Part two, kind of how it ends, and I was like, oh. Well, I don't know. Does it? Well, I don't <laughs> know. The it doesn't. Of War three five nine mm. happens before the end of part one, doesn't it? Well, it's kind of all kicking off, isn't it? Like, yeah, Picard's just become Borgified. Yes. Oh, yeah, no, so I don't know how that. I don't know how no, that. I, suppose, um, I still right. don't know how it's that. Not, it's not results. the end though, because it's just it's during oh, while yeah. Picard yeah. is, is okay. still Borgified. Yeah. So obviously, yeah. you know. So from it's no spoiler to say that he's going to become deborgified. Yeah. So, yeah. so from weird twist of fate, it was like I was up to the exact point I needed to be coming into this. So it was great to see that happen, mm. and it really reminded me of the beginning of. Star Trek 2009, the way it kind of kicks off. Yes, big that's battle, very true. High emotional stakes straight away. You know, Cisco having to like leave his um, this is wife, isn't it? His wife, yeah, yeah. And and kick straight off. And then I thought it was great, like um, like with the TNG pilot, what it did, kind of slowly is introducing crew and setting everyone up. But it felt a bit more of a full story than the TNG pilot. Like people come in bit by bit as as you expect, but the story regarding the wormhole worked on its own and as a setup for what the series is because the series could just be they're on a space station that's it but the fact that they're on a space station and there's a wormhole here that's kind of the catalyst for the whole thing mm. so um, um yeah yeah I mean I was a little bit conflicted about that opening to be completely honest because I agree with you completely that they've got the parallels to Star Trek 09 there and it's got that kind of really harrowing instantly emotional feel and that actual moment where they have to get off the ship and it kind of just that's a really good effect actually where it just mm. literally disconnects and they, they go off and Avery Brooks performance obviously of having to leave his wife um, to die he's asked to do a lot of like heavy acting he, he, he is yeah but my issue with it was is I felt much like when we watched Star Trek Generations that it was a really Jar of if this is meant to be a new show that's meant to appeal to new oh, fans, yeah, it, it feels like well, you have literally come in in the middle of a two parter, <laughs> that's literally what you've done. And to put it so intrinsically within Next Generation, I thought was a misstep. Like, I loved the idea of that being the opening scene during Battle, and he has to leave his wife. Great, but why does it have to be For a new in show. the middle of a Next Generation episode? Why can't it be another battle? Do you think the creators were thinking people, the majority of people we're going to ensnare are going to be piggybacking uh, up? I think they probably anyway. were, and I think that's At probably the point, case you know. 
for those kind of those shows of like Paul says being more of a shared universe um, I think they're they're wanting to connect them as much as possible because let's face it there's a lot of connections to Next Generation in this episode mm. I mean it's not it doesn't end there you know you've got Cole Meany coming back as O'Brien he's kind of bridging the gap uh, we've got Jean-Luc Picard returning again for a mm-hmm. guest appearance yeah. you know there's a lot of stuff connecting it Patrick Stewart's really bringing it isn't he it, when, when Cisco first says you, we've met before in battle and you know my wife was killed and then he just walks away sits down just carries on the conversations if that didn't happen <laughs> it's, it was very good acting it was amazing yeah. acting because you were just like well that is kind of like the only thing you could do in that because it's clearly not going to change his mind you've just got to be yeah. business um, yeah, yeah that's, that's true actually isn't it was like, but you were expecting him to sort of try and explain it but it's like and it makes sense in Picard's arc as well towards first contact that he hasn't even reconciled that himself but what he did yeah he's kind yeah. of ignoring yeah. it isn't it yeah, he still yeah. has a lot of PTSD mm. going on I think mm. and you can very much tell and I do agree I think it is very much uh, it's almost like a little sidestep from next gen you think oh maybe we're going to go back to the Enterprise for yeah. a bit but I I feel that this is it ends after this and then it very much goes its own way right. so this I think is very much it is trying works to works for a pilot appeal. as a seed yeah and it's trying to show that it's part of the same <laughs> universe and that it can get those fans in and then go but oh but this is now we're following this yeah. guy because Ooh. no go on I was just going to say I remember from when you were talking I think it was in your next gen po- <clears throat> podcast or it could have been the one with the original series when you were talking about how Roger- Roddenberry really likes them all the characters to get on and stuff yeah. there was, mm. I felt that in this pilot especially there's very much and sort of going forward when they're all trying to get on it's very much a break from that because these are not a cast or well sorry a group of characters that all get on and are all mm-hmm. very friendly with each other they're very from very different backgrounds they've got their own stuff going on um, and especially when you see Bashir meet Kira, you realise that actually, mm. you know, there's, there is going to be conflict, conflict here. Yeah. 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 Um, I like that they found the one kind of time period where somebody could realistically hate on Picard when he was literally a bad guy. So it's like, I like the idea of a character whose main experience of this great captain that we all kind of love yeah, is when he was true. an evil robot. So <laughs> Yeah, that's really true, actually. And I, uh, I think you're completely right, Alice, about the fact that the writers were really embracing the fact after years of frustration on TNG <laughs> that now they could finally have conflict between the characters and yeah. real interactions and instantly well, here I've just got written here strong character yes she is I agree. Brilliant. she's got such energy yeah yeah, yeah. Um, instantly it, it does add so much to the characters because much as I love plenty of the characters from TNG sometimes they can seem a little bit lifeless yeah but these and, don't like I think Kira particularly has such fire in her yes. and like her background instantly you just I over these three episodes that we watched I was just she's I want to know more about her and where mm-hmm. going and, and just and I love the way you know Cisco actually the first time I really started to enjoy him was the way he handled her to begin with you know he sort of saw where she's coming from but said we're going to need to get along anyway and very much kind of deferring to her almost to sort of say let's let's work together now um, so I thought their first meeting was strong yeah. um, do, you, do you think that's something that's works really well going forward yeah definitely that is that is something and I think Cisco is that good character in a way that he's like well I'm going to sort of give you an inch but I'm going to remain strong where I need to remain strong mm. so I'm not always going to make the decisions that you like but I'm mm. going to try and help and Kira's such a good character and I think this is just 
this shows across the whole series is that they pick really tough topics because Bajor's just come out of an occupation of yeah. 60 years being under Cardassian rule and like she spent her life in a resistance cell where um, you know they're living day to day they're fighting they're continue mm. fighting she's finally got to a point where they're free and she still feels like she's fighting and then suddenly there's a new like occupation inverted commas in with Starfleet and it feels like another threat she just wants to be free Mm -hmm. and she just wants her people to be strong and independent Mm -hmm. and as you see going through the series Bajor's independence is very rocky they have a provisional government and it's all and and you really see that come through her and it's just that's brilliant it's so you know comparable to like events then events now yeah we see this Mm -hmm. in real life and the parallels is terrific to be able to kind of explore as the Mm -hmm. series bible says in contemporary terms it's uh (laughs) it's a united nations base located within the territory of a sovereign nation so yeah i mean there are some fascinating political allegories here the balkans without a doubt i mean you know this seems to me to be a real comment on western intervention Mm -hmm. at the end of the day in terms of you know they're coming along and kind of the federation uh coming along the Bajorans you know represented by Kira genuinely aren't so sure kind of thing you know about whether they should be there and that moment where Picard turns around and basically says you know short of violating the prime directive you've got to make them join the federation mm. uh, that seemed really you know that that's really dark in the sense of it's a real comment on that thing of you know desperately instilling western values across the world of going like well no you know our way is better and you've got to be what i will say on that though is from what what it's what i got from the series and the show is they do actually want to join the federation they've just got a lot of work to do before they can join it so i still think you're right it's still very much about western values Mm. it's that they don't meet them yet they're so rocky politically they're not allowed to join the federation and picard really wants them to join because he really believes in them as a people Mm. right they're really like religious as well aren't they yeah they're they're based on that are they a a new species to this show or have they come up before I don't know I don't think they were before they're anything but But Cardassians have shown yeah Cardassians are big in TNG and stuff um because my big memory of the Cardassians from Next Generation is the episode uh, where Picard is held captive by a Cardassian and kind of psychologically tortured. Um, Picard captured? Why am I not surprised? Which uh, <laughs> Sean, um, our guest for the Next Generation episode, he was wearing a oh, that's where that's from. Okay. which was about that episode. Um, which you know, I'll leave for you to discover okay. when you uh, watch it, uh, Matt. But it is a very good episode. I've got very good memories of that one. That's the inner light, right? Uh, no, chain of command. Chain of command. Two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There you um. go. Uh, and it's, it's it's great. It's really good. And the Kardashians very much seem Kardashians. to be. Kardashians. What? Can't yeah. you say Kardashians? Oh. <laughs> it was going to happen. Kim and the Kardashians. Like, uh... They're not highly stylized, beautiful women. <laughs> Well, why not? <laughs> uh, that's a different show. Uh, in, what I'd watch. <laughs> in keeping up with the Cardassians. Uh, but here, it's a case of it seems to be that things are still very tense with them, but they've managed to kind of, kind of put their differences aside a little bit. I think, you know, the, um, well, I just like to say, like, um, with the 
uh, Cisco brings that cultural sensitivity and the willingness to learn about a culture to get them on side, whereas Bashir turns up and it's gap year. Time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, just like, oh, good to see you. He's so, he's, like, yeah, he's the guy travelling to, like, a third world country and being like, this is where I'm going to make a difference, I'm going to take my selfies. And exactly. <laughs> this will be perfect. Real frontier medicine. Frontier medicine? Major, I had my choice of any job in the fleet. Did you? I didn't want some cushy job or a research grant. I wanted this. I thought that was really ahead of its time yeah. in terms of making that kind of comment. Because, you know, usually doctors who go out to third world countries and stuff, you know, are viewed as heroes. And that was a really interesting take of going, oh, no, well, this guy is just some privileged idiot who's going out there and going like, oh, yeah, no, this is so great. And not actually thinking about... And knowing he's real really good as well. So he turned down everything that was, you know, really cushy and, like, uh, came out here for some real action. I wrote here, Bashir, we'll take some getting used to. Uh, <laughs> he's very much steeped in his own privilege <laughs> but Alice you're a huge fan of Bashir well, is that this right? Is, this is the thing <laughs> he's because he is so hot so, um, when I first watched this I, I was in probably in my early 20s late teens maybe a bit earlier um, depending on when I caught episodes but when I properly watched it all the way through he was like the dream. I thought, swoon, swoon, swoon. <laughs> and now, as a you know, a thirty-one-year-old woman, you can clearly see he is the wrong choice. It's like when you sort of date the bad boy in inverted commas, <laughs> yeah. and you realise you're wasting your youth. Definitely um, don't think Bashir could be described. You, you know what I mean? That's, that's the yeah, kind I of do, I do. The wrong choice. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's right choice. for he's the just, time. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's just a pretty boy he doesn't really understand but he does grow but he is another character that really does grow he's very irritating mm. in season one yeah. he's had quite a big two, career as well his name's Alexander Sidig oh, yeah. and he's been in tons of stuff in the was, pilot in... well fun fact about that sorry Liam carry on oh no go on what were you saying what well, do you mean not in the pilot he had to change his name to Alexander Sidig because having a an, an Arabic sort of, name yeah. in the credits was it was oh, so, so for the first three seasons I think he's a digger for Dill amazing that and they changed it yeah, oh, he changed his man. name That's he made that decision because I think politically from Star at the Trek time as well was, would that been are you saying that would have been Star Trek demonia or no, that was just, it. I, I believe that is his decision I do not know because, but because he would have realised yeah. it would have affected his career that's interesting well, I guess he's not oh. playing like a character like to do with where he's from really so he's probably just like I don't no. want that hanging over or something but later on in the show they credit him correctly right. no he starts off with his, with his, oh, his name so his first name is actually Sadiq right. um, I apologise if I'm pronouncing that wrong but he he added Alexander to it. Oh, um, right. I didn't notice that. I, did, I did, didn't know the story behind it. Oh man, yeah, no, that's really sad um, that he felt he had to do that kind of thing, like mm. you know. But yeah, probably true that time. But now he uses his proper name, does he? No, he's well established as Alexander. Oh Sidig, right, okay. he's in uh, Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah, um, he's in bunch of Syriana, Game, Game of Thrones, Twenty Four, yeah. Peaky Blinders, and. Apparently now he's Razar Ghoul in Gotham as well. So I mean, yeah, he's a big. He's old one of those like TV this. character actors who has yeah. been around. He's brilliant. Like the guy who plays um, Sarek in Discovery. He's in like every TV show, like from True Blood and yeah. Twenty Four. Yeah. I think yeah, he's yeah, one yeah. of those. James Frame. Yes, yeah. James Frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So that was a really interesting thing to see. Um, and I must admit, when he did turn up and kind of acting, he was kind of like the Hugh Grant of the Star Trek <laughs> universe, wasn't he? I was just like, 
Alice, this guy? Like, <laughs> it's a bit of a, a, a foppish But I think, I, but the way they set it up, and it gives it him so much potential to to grow. So I think, mm. as much as he is deeply irritating <laughs> and ignorant, it goes in a good direction. He gets some really good storylines to begin with. Later on, it gets a bit sketchy, but um, okay. Well, I look forward <laughs> he to develops well, develop. and he does get he develops some cynicism and some darkness, and it's interesting to watch. What did we think of the theme tune? I really loved it. Oh. Yeah, no, I mean, compared to the first two, which are both iconic, yeah, I think I'm going to have to listen to it a few more yeah. for it to grow. I, I mean, it's it's okay, but it's like it's not one yeah. that's been my favourite. I think I, I think. noticed it more in like the end credits than the opening credits. Uh, the Discovery theme. Well, you know what? I like that. I listened to that episode and I thought you were all wrong. It is a good theme. <laughs> oh, you, but you like the Klingons in it as well. I love the Klingons in it, oh, and I, I enjoyed all I the subtitles. I thought it was. I thought it was, I love Discovery. I love it. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we, we like yeah. it as well. I think, I think it's because we had former guest Adam Johnson do his own Star Trek score for when we guested on his podcast, Pretending with Dice, that, uh, which yeah. was before Discovery came out, and it was eerily similar. So I think in my head, I'm like, I prefer our show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that, I, for anyone who hasn't heard it, we did a crossover with um, a podcast called Pretending with Dice. Um, where they play kind of role-playing games and we went on and did the Star Trek one and Adam Johnson, who hosts that show, composed an entire score for those episodes that we were on. And he also did the theme tune for our podcast, I should mention, so the music you hear in every episode on this show is his. And it's really, really impressive. Um, So definitely go and check that out. But I did like the theme to this, and I liked the... I mean, I like the themes to all of the kind of... Yeah, I mean, my my issue is probably just the visuals were a bit dull. I mean, it's lots of shots of the station from every conceivable angle. It does... They end up, like, um, you know, jazzing up when the Defiant comes into it, and it kind of, like, has a bit more, you know, swooping ships and stuff like that. But, yeah, compared to, like, you know, Next Gen and uh, Voyager... Main tiles, it's it pales by comparison, in my opinion. But that's well, you, it's just I think you mentioned this before that it's literally just lots of shots of a very nice model, and you now see it yourself. Like, yeah. uh, although I've got to say, I remember when I saw this on TV for the first time because I remember watching the pilot episode at least when it went out. And you're like, look at the size of that thing. Well, I was super impressed by that CG like asteroid like uh, that's going past them. Also, let's praise for the um, the two fa- the T one thousand effects on Odo. Like, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, it's oh, total T one thousand. No, no, it's early nineties Alex Mack is what it is. <laughs> Which Alex is basically T one thousand. Yeah, Alex, Secret World of Alex Mack. Which but I, did, into I, a never watch, I never watched this. this Matt? Like, you just oh, I know what you're talking yeah, about. No, it's, it's, it's a live action Nickelodeon show from the early nineties about a girl who gets hit with a truck full of radioactive waste, and she can turn herself T one thousand style into a metal puddle. Basically, is and she the that one that ends up in the Big Bang Theory of Sheldon's girlfriend? Is that yeah, Alex I think so. Matt? Larissa, yeah. she's in Third Up from the Sun as well. I, I have heard and oh ten things I hate oh, about you. Yeah, no, that's not the Big Bang Theory, but yes, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. So it's it's basically the TV version effect of the T one thousand, but it comes across really well in this. Yeah. Well, talking about Odo, what did you uh, think of him, Matt? Well, I one of the things I first noticed about this series, which I really loved, was that it didn't feel like there was one token alien character. It felt almost like Cisco was the one token human character. Um, so it was great to see all like Ferengi are in TNG, right? I haven't seen them yet. So yes, like, they so are. In these TNG, guys. Yeah. There's a guy who's like made of water. There's uh, a, a woman who's part slug, part old man. Crossover, which was just 
bizarre uh, and great. And so I was like, this is a really interesting kind of ensemble already. And whether it's reflective of the setting of it being kind of this like shantytown station as opposed to all Starfleet, it allows you to bring in more interesting things. And I guess it harks back to the whole thing of original series, it's like Vulcan on the bridge, big deal. Next generation, it's uh, um, Klingon on the bridge, big deal. And now I was thinking, oh, what's the next thing here? And it's a whole bunch of stuff. Well, so. that's very true because, funnily enough, I've just recently watched the first ever episode with the Ferengi on TNG. And they are very much introduced as antagonists mm. when they first turn up. And so now it's a case of, like you say, suddenly, you know, we've got a Frangi on the station who essentially, although he's a bit dodgy, yeah. is, you know, fine. He's a good guy yeah. and he's, he's getting on with He's the Peter yeah. Lorre uh, shifter of the, mm. of the, yes. the bar area. Well, I had another so. comparison. He, uh, green grass from a heartbeat. Green <laughs> 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 yes. And, um, you know, and I believe that Oda's playing the Derek Fowles character who has a row, oh, green grass, your old tricks again. Like, so that made me very happy for a lot of Sundays mm. through the night. And, well, uh, well, God knows what our American <laughs> listeners are going to think about a green grass reference. This is from a Sunday kind of tea time show, Heartbeat, that ran for about 13 years uh, on ITV that was set in the 60s. York, 60s like in Yorkshire. Yorkshire yeah. Well, it's permanently 1969 for 13 years. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's kind of like some kind of quantum leap sort of thing. I don't know, really. <laughs> but like green grass is the local rascal. He's kind of like a little wheeler dealer and always has a get rich quick scheme. Oh. Uh, uh, and then you have Odo, uh, or in this case, the station master, Derek Bounds, <laughs> yeah. of uh, Yes Minister fame, who has he's just basically has it in for him and wants to catch him every week. So yeah, that's yeah. A, that's like I, I really like the Odo Quark kind of frenemy relationship, which comes out a lot more in the guest pick episode, which we'll get to. But yeah, it's you know it's established early on. And it's like these are really great opposing kind of characters here. Well, Quark are compelling. I'm very, very, my notes are very scant here, but compelling is what I say. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, that straight away, what I liked is they made sure that Quark wasn't just comic relief because he could very easily just be a caricature. But when he has that scene with uh, Cisco and Odo, where Cisco's pressurizing him to stay on the station, that is very well played. And, you know, when Quark turns around to him and he's saying, you know, people like me in these situations end up against the wall and get shot, I was like, wow, this is, you know, straight away in that first kind of, you know, half an hour or so, you really feel like all of the political elements are really at the forefront. And, you know, I mean, this feels very reminiscent of the later Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, obviously some of the writers uh, from Battlestar were on DS9 later on as well. And this really does feel like the precursor to that, I would say. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed that scene a lot. That was really where I came into it. And I did say, I loved Odo at the end where he says, you know, I think I'm going to like him. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What did... Uh... Speaking of the Frangi, I know we don't get a massive look at them in, in this season other than Quark. What did you guys think of how the sexism is portrayed of the Frangi culture? Because I thought, while Deep Space Nine I thought was quite progressive and was probably quite progressive in the 90s, certain things do hold it back. Because at one point Quark is sort of basically sexually assaulting Kira, who can wonderfully hold her own and tell him to back off. But it's cool. it's almost sort of seen as as like uh, oh, but he's only he's only Quark. 
<laughs> what, what bit is this? I think. Oh, he like, like comes. He like she goes. I can't remember if it's this or the guest pick episode where he's like, uh, where she says, "Oh, take your hand off my hip," or you know, you won't I'm be able to raise a glass again. So he's yeah. just kind of like, oh yeah, this is played a bit like, oh, it's just me, you know. This is what I'm like. <laughs> Oh right! I, I, for some no, reason, no, no, no. I think that passed passed me by a little bit. But no, it doesn't it, sound it was, right. I remember this bit, but mm. again, it's like perhaps it's just because I was like minimising it myself. Watching, yeah, it, probably. Like, it's just Quark, like you say, and mm. and because I knew his character and what he was like, and then the Frankies are so much worse right. on the um, on the next gen, the way they treat women. It's yeah. just like, or, the, or you don't really see how they treat women. They just refer to them a lot, don't they? You see it a lot more in, in, as the series goes on, and it's actually interesting seeing Nog have to sort of. Conf- his own culture when he joined Starfleet but I just mm. thought it'd be interesting to see if, mm. I think as I yeah. re-watched it I picked up on it more if that makes sense so I, I don't okay. think I'd have noticed it as much if I came into it and it was a first viewing yeah. but I was like oh <laughs> oh this feels a bit off yeah I think my reaction was oh just because he's a monstrous looking alien you kind of think monstrous oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry guy but I mean again, if you had that same scene and it was he just like another <laughs> another human character then I think it'd be more uh, like obvious to spot in a way so I think I, she's just thinking you're not a, as much of a threat because I you're a Ferengi just, I don't know like, it's just interesting how sexual harassment is, is seen at, at, at that time and I think sort of more recently as well as something that oh he's just a lovable rogue mm, yeah. it's flattering kind well, of thing but now on Kira's side though yeah. from that get go and it's like you wouldn't want to cork it you know she's no, we don't want that happening. So mm. it's just And I love him as a character, not, so it's a weird conflict. Yeah, I don't think everybody's finding it funny. Mm. I think everybody's finding it like that's just that's just part of his character, isn't it? Mm. Rather than like Yeah. I didn't know how long, much more it was revisited though. That Yeah, because I mean that's what I'd be interested to hear if that is something that comes up a lot because I thought that maybe it was put in to establish that Kira is a badass who ain't gonna take that shit. He keeps trying it on. Oh, <laughs> he, he tries it on with a, a few women. I mean, he again, he's another character that sort of develops a little bit, and it's uh, my, my love of the series is very much Odo and Quark, especially on this rewatch. I think they are brilliant together. But I, th- I thought it's kind of rewatching the pilot, I was just like, oh, it's interesting how it, each series moves a little bit further in terms of what isn't acceptable and how they have new characters in that are yeah. quite sassy so again listening to you talk about the next gen and mm. how um, Troy is kind of this sort of like backdrop yeah, <laughs> not really much of character and now you have Jadzia and Kira mm. who are more at the forefront you have oh, a person of colour who mm. is the captain I think it's interesting so how that moves forward Leap is a quantum leap forward isn't it <laughs> like yeah, actually it's, a, it's just got back there ain't in it yeah if you go from how Troy was handled in that pilot to the how the strong characters, female characters in this, in this yeah. one, Dax and uh, and Kira, just is. I mean, I, I, Dax. When we think of Dax, it's really interesting to have. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's transgender. Yeah, 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 that's literally what I thought in terms of when I was watching it. Where, I mean, straight away I found it like what? I had to get my head like, around. Like, yeah, because doesn't he just casually go, "Huh, you've got a worm in you, or whatever?" I'm just like, "Yeah, hang he, on he now, turns right? around. He's just like, does he know you've got a slug in you?" Yeah, kind of and I was like, calling what? an old man. I was, I like, was what? like, "I was like, what's going on here?" And then you get that. Did you know you're pre-op? Like, <laughs> what are you trying to say? Is yeah, like if you're yeah. just making that parallel, isn't it? Like, well, you know, is that going to be a problem for and it the makes person her... like to see you as you are mm. or are they going to be put off by the fact that you have a winky and it, so. and it makes for a really interesting relationship between because they're like you know two attractive actors but 
Cisco knows to, to him, oh, you're just some old man. So there's a weird well, kind of sexual tension there of like, time. yeah, yeah. So says, what you're saying is Cisco's dead naming uh, Dax <laughs> all the time. Well, <laughs> as, as it says here in the series Bible about Dax, uh, says, Cisco her, must says, dead name. It Dax says uh, her sexually appealing new form will create a certain tension between her and Cisco, which they will both resist. After all, he's still having a hard time getting used to the fact that she's a 300 year old worm. <laughs> <laughs> oh man I mean so it does add an element you know I I mean I'll be interested to hear about this from you Alice because when they showed that flashback the, the kind of operation mm. that uh, I was watching it going well is this girl like happy with this situation she doesn't look that yeah how's it so a bit of trill background is that um, to be a host is a very high honour you go through right. a, you almost go through a kind of Starfleet like academy you go mm-hmm. through a lot of heaps you have to be very mentally stable and you have to be a, sort of the right fit to be a host there's, there's far more trill people than there are Dax and I, I wish I could compare being Dax to being that sort of forward and transgender, but I think unfortunately, um, what, it, it more comes across like Dax is more a, a '90s ladette, so she's very sexually appealing. Right. She's sort of mm. one for the nerds. The nerds can get her because she finds anyone attractive. She's got right. so much history, mm. um, and she, she the, there is actually a lesbian kiss, a partner of one of her old hosts, and or a host of a host, something like that. The, the host body. So she was her own person up until the moment yeah, she got... So, so is she gone, or is she no, in No, Jadzia is very much there, but she's very much informed as well by the, the previous sort of six or seven hosts that come before. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. So it's more that she has their memories and experiences, but she has to be strong enough to know who she is mm-hmm. with that there. So you'll notice that she has things like she puts her hands behind her back, and that's um, and you see it later on in the season where that's for, that's from an old host. Right. So she changes in certain ways, but she's still very... She's not... She's very much Dax. She's who she is, and who she she's just more confident. So it's a bit of like it. Jekyll and Hyde, where they're fighting for not fighting no. for control, but all personalities come like, out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess there are bits where personality traits come out, but again, because of what they have to go through, you need to be capable of still being yourself while having all these previous people oh. and their mm. memories. It's such a mindfuck. Like yeah. that's a really complicated yeah. character set. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's and they like, kind of do it quite well because. They kind of just let you try and work it out and run with it, and then there's that little flashback, and you kind of do get enough to kind of run, you know, to run with it. But I imagine as it goes on, you'll learn more about her and definitely the relationship within the same body. So, yeah, no, I agree. It's it's, it's interesting. I certainly, mm. I certainly wanted to learn more about what on earth was going on there after kind of watching the episode and from what you said I think it must get explored it does more. yeah but, and you, yeah. you sort of meet she, you, they, she has this sort of experience where she gets to meet all her past hosts as well oh okay so that they, sounds they really interesting they one of her friends for, for like two hours and you see all the different Primal. ones and, and it's interesting and there, there's there's a host who, who was suppressed because he wasn't meant to be a host and it's you get a lot that comes into it and you sort of see how um, uh, honourable and sort of privileged hmm. you are to be a a host for a Dax. It's amazing that a character like that is just like one of a supporting ensemble as well, because that's a show in itself, isn't yeah. it? Like someone who keeps getting put into different people and. Whew. 
Yeah. Um, so the crux of this episode is that Cisco has come on board Deep Space Nine to be the new captain of this kind of uh, space station, which is now going to be kind of a new community while they try and get the Bajorans into the Federation. And as part of this, he has to go and introduce himself to a powerful local religious leader. Uh, type thing. Now, I found this introduction really odd. <laughs> I, had to, I had to like rewind it like three times because when Cisco disappears into that kind of hole, that guy just comes on and is just like, oh, come over here to your destiny or whatever. Like, and he kind of goes through that and. <laughs> Kira like follows him, looks through like, oh, where's he go? It's like he's going to fucking Narnia or something. I was like, what? In the no, he goes into the temple and views one of the. Or, but the but temple has. Yeah. This temple has the yeah. You're thinking of a different bit. Uh, you, no, but then yeah, separately he beams down to Bajor in the ruins of like the location, yes. and they've got a hidden temple where he meets the sort of. Resistance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 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 what I thought was weird was that Kyopaka like stroking his ear. There's a noise. <laughs> like, that's a bit weird. She was saying, I You've got that. power. I was like, What is he an alien as well? No, like, I've got a note here. There's so much hand to face action. I don't think <laughs> <laughs> they should all have spots. Uh, like because Jake gets his face followed by his dad quite a significant amount. Well. I thought that was a bit odd, but you know. It's how we show affection, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree because <laughs> because she's chosen face. She's talking about his power, and because obviously it's the first episode. I was like, oh, is this a reveal that he's got some kind of you know mental powers or something like that? I was like, is everyone kind of supernatural? Yeah, in, is that, yes. But well, yeah, presumably maybe there is something later on that really builds upon this. Um, but yeah, I, I've got to say, now this is, I assume, what you're talking about with the generations comparison. A lot of stuff that seemed like Nexus bullshit to me. <laughs> yes, I did. There's a lot of white, fade to white, and uh, I also just love Cisco running a hot sand. Like, that's his. Yeah, what was so. with the porno acting in that beach scene? Oh, like, it was... oh. Avery Brooks, <laughs> right. <laughs> is a fucking weird actor yeah. in the sense of so what, what I mean no no but I agree there are scenes in this pilot where I think he's fucking brilliant like that opening where he's being dragged away from his dead wife so really harrowing really emotional there are moments where he's he's brilliant in it but there are also moments where he's one of the worst actors I've ever yeah, seen no, like, I, I completely agree because <laughs> one, one of my notes is literally like I'm sold on everyone but him yes I kind of really wasn't warming to him he, he won me over by the end because the great thing about this pilot was it did give his character like a movie style character arc yeah in the pilot not like this is how he is he'll change over the series but the stuff that comes that you know happens to him in the second half is amazing but it was a bit of a rocky road to get there for me because I was just like oh I kind of like this guy oh wait no what's going on no because oh, he does uh, have brilliant scenes but yeah. that bit on the beach like you say straight away that bit when he's dancing oh, around the yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah wowee <laughs> Do you realise how incredible this is? <laughs> Ow! All that kind of 
sounds like, it sounds like a bloody cat from Red Dwarf. Like, yeah. I mean, that is really but weird. Your has a very a strange way of talking. Everything is so pronounced. <laughs> so pronounced. But an odd accent. He doesn't yeah. change his like the way he speaks, but once he changes his and has a beard and shaves his head, it seems to fit him more. I don't know if that's the case, but when I see the episode later on, it just his style of delivery seemed to fit how he looked a bit better. He instantly seems cooler later on. Yeah. He's got a goatee and he's yes. bald. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Here, it just didn't work for me. So, yeah, it's just a bit bizarre because I, I think that was what was weird. If he'd just been bad all the way through, I'd have been like, okay, he's just a bad actor. But there's loads of things where I'm like, no, he's a really good actor. You're so why are you so bad at this scene? There's literally a scene where they're going through the wormhole and it's like the most intense shit ever out the window and he sounds so casual. It's like they're on a little road trip to get some milk or something. It's like, yeah. what? <laughs> what What do you think about this, Alex? <laughs> no, I agree. Oh, okay. I, agree. Oh, oh, I agree. He, he is a very sketchy actor in this. Um, but it, it is a very big mixture. I think in my original notes it was like, hmm, interesting acting. Because <laughs> he's very good at You have a threshold for pilot, don't you? Like, yeah, you don't but, know your character. But then there was stuff about the pilot I just don't like. I hate all the flashback stuff. and It serves a purpose. Yeah. But yeah. I was just like, can I skip through some of this? This is him oh, trying to explain time. So it's melting my mind. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sorry to skip ahead. Linear. <laughs> That is not linear. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, that's a real shame because those scenes at the end when he's coming to terms with the death of his wife, because that's, Mm. as you say, he's got this arc in the pilot and it is like a movie arc with him actually coming to terms with that because in many ways I was like, oh, it's interesting because on a lot of shows, I mean, especially now, I think him coming to terms with the death of his wife would be played out over a whole season yeah. whereas now it's like because it, TV was far more episodic then it's like right we've got to do this in the pilot he's got to get to that and so that does feel like quite a complete arc and that is quite powerful at the end but the dialogue there about the linear stuff mm. is, is terrible it's very heavy handed really. but I mean I liked I mean, there's a lot of it and there's a lot I didn't quite like but like the scene in the, on the baseball field it was very just to the point, I'm just going to say yeah. it all. But I quite liked what mm. they were saying. I got like a bit of what what he says here. And I just thought at the time, you know, oh, this is pure Trek ideology coming out. And I've always said, like, when I'm introduced to a new era of Trek, I'm like, oh, this is what I thought Trek was. This is what I thought Trek was. And him saying, you know, it's the unknown that defines our existence and the people, the, the alien that he's chatting to being like, you know, working out, oh, you value your ignorance of what's to come and all the kind of space-time chat. As heavy-handed as it all was, I was like, yeah, he is kind of laying out that kind of Trek utopian vision mm. again, yeah. you know. Because that's the thing, I did find it very convincingly tragic of that idea of him only being able to see her dying in his memories so it's that you know when it makes you understand maybe why he's acting so weird when he sees her on the beach because it's almost like the only memory he's able to have is of her dying and him having to abandon her and this is perhaps the first time he's been able to think of her as being vibrant and alive since he had to leave her to die and so I, I found that very powerful but because he was describing it in this odd way it took away mm. from that side of it and I can't speak for the uh, the, the uh, importance of, of Jake as son throughout the series at this point but the idea of like a you know the captain the lead of the show being like a family man as opposed to a career yeah. captain bloke was really interesting to us as well 
Well, they make a point of that, don't they? They actually make a point of saying how he likes children, which is a bit odd as well when they say when they say it's like, so you like children? Um, but that is obviously to separate him from Picard, yeah. who, as we know from Encounter at Far Point, doesn't like children. So, you know, hey, that captain didn't like children, this one does. They're such different guys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> one's white, one's black. Who knows what oh, you're going to get? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, so that was interesting, but very much, like you say, some very similar to Generations with this kind of Nexus stuff. And I hoped we'd seen the last of it mm. after the initial kind of burst, but when they got into that wormhole, yeah. it was mm-hmm. all Nexus all the time. <laughs> the g- giant prolapse in space. Like, what, I've got. <laughs> what do we think about... <laughs> Yeah, but. <laughs> what an image <laughs> those graphics aren't great you go see it every title <laughs> sequence uh, what do we think about they chose the... blue <laughs> <laughs> what do we think about the wormhole being like an integral part of the show because it's in the title sequence this is obviously a big part of it that there's this wormhole next door well, it's obviously kind of like the shortcut for getting storylines and characters in people can yeah. come out of it people are coming to go through it so I don't know how much importance it like has. It's having a Stargate. Yes. It is a lot of This is where it has Stargate. That's probably why I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, a big fan of Stargate. I, I love Stargate, do one. Yeah. You're <laughs> considering your own podcast based on Stargate? If I can find someone to trick into watching it, sure. <laughs> it's really the only person we've had on this show, us included, that... It, their favourite thing is Star Trek is Greg or somebody like everyone else is like oh, I love Star Trek but this is my thing yeah. oh no I don't know I think we've had <laughs> people who, who like it certainly are much more into it than we are but I mean you know, not that that's okay, so, yeah get the experts in yeah, 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 yeah but we're getting more into it as we are oh, oh, oh. it's really yeah. interesting having listened to like the first one and then yeah, still get yeah. to hear just yeah it has been a journey have, yeah. Yeah. check out our arcs expressly <laughs> Sorry? You've been, definitely been converted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, or, yeah. Or been out, and, outed. So <laughs> <laughs> the secret is out. But that's the thing, you know. I, I find it at this point, I find it really yeah. exciting. This is real new, new stuff. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Even though I have seen some DS9 back in the nineties, it feels new because it's been so long at this point. And I'm viewing it in new context because I've seen mm. a lot more Star mm. Trek yeah, since. Right. I'd be interested to get your actual like recommendations after this, Alice. Is a big fan of the show, kind of like what we you think are going to be the you know um, the key episodes to go to watch. I mean, it's difficult with an episodic show. Like it not, was hard not, enough no, for me sorry, to pick my one episode. It it. Oh, it's not. I'm not going to be able to pick out episodes for you. But I can probably I, there are a few I think that are must watches. Well, we'll return to this at the end of the show because mm. I think we'll speak about your guest pick first, but then we'll definitely talk about that towards the end as we're uh, going on. Um, we were talking about Kira being awesome earlier. I agree, she's a complete badass. Um, that bit when she's left to kind of negotiate with the uh, Cardassians uh, is really, mm. really good. That speech she gets is so badass when she says, you know, but I'm just a Bajoran who's been uh, fighting a hopeless cause all her life. So if you want a war, I'll give you one. Like, she's so badass. And I mean, even though she's fronting, 
she's fronting essentially but yeah it's such like a tense like, bluff as well but she totally sells it if I was those guys on that ship I'd be like oh wow she sounds pretty badass like you yeah, better leave her alone <laughs> she's strong but she also knows what she's doing she's very much a, a um, well, fortunately and unfortunately a product of the war that she's had to grow up in mm. like she knows the station needs to get near that wormhole because that wormhole is so important to Bajor and its stability and its growth so it doesn't get taken back over by the Cardassians who didn't really want to leave mm. I mean they trashed a whole station yeah, <laughs> to yeah, piss yeah, off yeah, yeah, the yeah. insurance and the Federation mm. so oh she's just brilliant like well she's sort of like a refugee in a way isn't yeah. she like you know and um, yeah she she's really good I, I, I really liked her um, straight away and um, but yeah oh this was the thing that I was going to talk about in reference to you Matt saying mm-hmm. about the, the show that doesn't go anywhere <laughs> um, one thing I Physically. did notice yeah well with this with the space station was during that belt obviously they just have to sit there and basically take punishment so they better get some fucking firepower yeah well that was an interesting sort of twist because we're so used to endless chat about the state of the shields you know for them to be like well we don't really have any shields we've only got like six missiles and oh, stuff yeah. I like and that. that's, that's our entire yeah, you know, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah that gives an element where they're not just like a totally badass enterprise style ship where they can just sort of sit there and you know fight back attackers making something that is kind of stationary that vulnerable makes any kind of space-based battle or conflict really interesting and compelling apparently and they might talk about this in your bible um matt the reason they said it on a space station is they didn't want two starship based shows going on at the same time so obviously tng was still going on when this launched then tng ended and voyager started up straight away so that could take over and be the other starship show well the final the final quote from this bible that kind of like sign off from the two creators uh, it says Star Trek Deep Space Nine brings into the Star Trek universe an original set of characters as diverse and memorable as the crews of the first two series it also provides far more interpersonal conflict than we've seen before in the 24th century mm-hmm. if as Gene Roddenberry always said Star Trek is wagon train in space think of Deep Space Nine as Fort Laramie on the edge of the frontier <laughs> so <laughs> I like how they're saying they're referencing Gene but make it clear that about we're ignoring <laughs> all of his like, like... <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, I I liked this. Mm. I, I did like it. Uh, Nexus bullshit aside, yes. I know it's not the Nexus, but in my head it is the yeah. Nexus. Um, in my head, I've got all these original series and TNG episodes to watch. I was kind of hoping I'd be like, uh, have an animated series reaction. And my last note here is, damn, I'm sold. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I think because you see the potential. Yeah, really. and it's the characters in this one. Yeah. Like, it really is. And the setup. Yeah. And just the, literally the setup, because that's what impressed me. Like I say, it reminded me of the later, uh, the remake of Battlestar Galactica, mm-hmm. which I know you and me are big fans mm-hmm. of, uh, Matt. And I think you are as well, Paul, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You I've love never Galactica. watched it. Wow, right, okay, this is your it's bit. It's the Deep Space this Nine of the 20th mission, century. Uh, for that. Yes, I can only like commit to uh, two sci-fi series. <laughs> but you're still watching all the series of Stargate. So like, yeah, you know, and I've got Discovery going on. There's, there's not much That'll room. be over soon enough. Um, <laughs> what? But, uh, yeah, I... Yeah, I really liked the basic setup, and it certainly made me want to watch more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm only my thing about watching more is that I'm I'm aware 
nightmare of the first few seasons being a little bit of fighting itself, and I don't know if I've got time for that. That's something I might oh, go. It's so worth it for Whoa. the payoff. The payoff is worth it. Uh, I think... Then it doesn't just sort of start brilliantly once Wolf arrives. It does really find its feet between sort of season one and season two. I really like season three. Mm. Well, I think what we discovered prior to this is because uh, TOS, TAS, and TNG all very episodic. Uh, they're not arc heavy at all. Uh, it's been very easy for us mm -hmm. when watching, um, going back and watching more of the series, to dip in and dip out and just, you know, pick episodes. Although, I've got to say, I've been watching the original series since we did our episode on that. And so far, I've only skipped one episode and I've done like over half of season one now. Doing basically the um, So, uh, the Mira. I think it was called. Oh, or Miri, yes. Yeah, that's the, like the only one I've skipped so far. Like yeah. I said, every other one, I was like, oh no, this sounds like I want to watch it. Um, so, you know, that. whereas TNG, we'll see how that goes. And same with animated series as well. Uh, so with this, you know, I know it becomes very arc heavy later. So I might do a bit of research into at what point it becomes mm. a case of, oh, now I've got to watch. What are the best of episodes? And, and, you know, and dive in after watching some best offs in between <laughs> or something. Something like that. It needs to be like the notes you gave me with my Buffy Angel, like, watch. Where yes. Just, okay, <laughs> yeah. now we need to put on Angel's season uh, disc two. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and skip back and see Buffy's season Season 5.1. This how it so fits together. Fits together, yeah. Do it in this order only. It was very hard. Okay, so we're now going to move over to our guest mystery episode pick, uh, which we've all watched in preparation of this episode. Alice, do you want to introduce what episode you chose for us to watch? Yes, yeah, so I chose Crossfire, which is the 13th episode of season 4. Um, on Netflix, the 12th episode. Yes, Netflix is a pain, yeah. but also brilliant, and I would never want Deep Space Nine to leave it. Yeah. <laughs> I love Netflix, yay! <laughs> um, and it was first aired on the 14th of August, 97. And you've got a little synopsis about the episode. I do. So, um, I can't remember if I wrote it or not, so I'm just going to take credit, and if someone else did write it, well, it's mine now. <laughs> um, so, First Minister Shakar comes to Deep Space Nine to take part in talks to shorten the time Bajor can qualify to join the Federation. Chief of Security Odo gets word that an assassination attempt will be made on Shakar, and he is tasked with his protection and discovering who is attempting to do so. During Shakar's stay, Odo becomes more and more distracted as Major Kira and Shakar car get closer yes so, he does why did you choose this episode Alice so this was I mean I know everyone says this because I've listened to the other episodes but this was so hard <laughs> because I felt I was like should I just pick something because like, it's one of the top episodes or because it, it just because the, the task was to find something that represents the whole series and makes you want to pull you in and stuff and, and this kind of doesn't represent the whole series but it does because the character development from when we've seen the pilot to this, especially for the characters I've picked, well, I haven't picked the characters, but the characters are in this, which are Odo and Kira predominantly, um, and uh, a bit of Quark have sort of, especially Odo and Kira have come so far from that first episode. And I just, I love their romance. Mm. I usually hate romance, <laughs> um, but I love this. And I think Odo especially is just one of the best characters ever. And to see him, he could have almost been the data mm. of DS9, but Not he has. Not very human. Yeah, but he had, and, and there's just this assumption 
that he is hasn't got feelings because he, he's a changeling, he's not a humanoid, but he's got so much depth that he doesn't let out and no one realises and it's heartbreaking. It's just an episode of angst and brilliance and character development mm. and that is why I chose it. What's, I, what's the uh, extent of the Odo-Kira relationship prior to this? Between, like, quickly summarise. Even before the series begins, they know each other and they're friends. So they start off as friends and mm-hmm. they get closer and I would say at this point... Kira at least views Odo as a best friend and he's sort of... But nothing's happened between no, them at this point? nothing's happened okay. at all and but nothing will for a while. Is this the first time we're aware of Odo's feelings towards Kira? Uh, no. No, this has come up before. I it's think like so. Pining, I think it's been very subtle. Afar, right? Yeah. Okay. Right. But this right. is the first episode that perhaps addresses it as the as the it main plot line. I think. Overt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And um, yeah, it's a very much established in the friend zone. Then up to this point. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. I hate the term friend zone. Yeah, me too. So I yeah. would actually say that this. I would say this episode handles it very well of how people react to being rejected because he never explicitly asks her out or anything like that, and he just very much sorts his own shit out on his own and with a little bit of help and she isn't she isn't punished for it well it's funny I kind of feel we should come back to this later because it's towards the climax of the episode but I actually have got notes to do with friend zoning later on so I think perhaps (laughs) we'll come back to that um, this episode was written by, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, but Rene Ekabaria, uh, who was actually the creator of the 4400. Um, oh, the 4400? Yeah, you may have heard of that show. It's mm-hmm. about the... What went a, literally the sky. No, Seventy Hills 101. <laughs> no, it's, it's a sci-fi show that was quite big for a little while where 4,400 people go it's, missing all at the same it's time. It's that kind of mid mid noughties mm. period when Lost was kind of big with all these kind of sci-fi shows that kind of either were just before it or did just piggyback on Lost where you got stuff like that and you, the town called Eureka Invasion and Invasion uh, yeah. Flash Forward loads of yeah loads a lot of like short lived yeah. high concept sci-fi shows yeah. and 4400 I think it had three or four seasons didn't it so yeah oh I think so yeah that was his big claim to fame as directed by Les Landau who is an absolute mainstay of the Trek universe he's directed a ton of episodes of TNG DS9 Voyager and Enterprise uh, so this is you know it's got a good good pedigree there going on so guys what did we make of Crossfire Oh, okay. Um, yeah, no, I really like this pick. Thank you guys for picking it because it just, I really enjoyed like the Odo and Kwok side story as much as anything actually to see mm-hmm. them this much close together but also just antagonistic still but genuinely you get sense of Quark really kind of warming to Odo but you know, he wants him to kind of crack as well and just show a little bit of humanity. Um, if you manage the right word in, in Star Trek, I suppose. Um, and I love seeing um, Odo's um, Charlie Chalk jungle gym of a bedroom. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just like his climbing frame. Like I just loved it. And uh, in fact, he smashes it up. I just wish I saw that scene. <laughs> because I, you know, Renny Olga Jonas, as I love him as an actor anyway, but like to see him just sitting there with like one hair out of place, uh, <laughs> sort of like just sitting cross legged or something. I don't know. It's tear, one tear down yeah. his cheek. Oh, yeah. That could have just been the shadow of them. <laughs> I like to think it's that. You saw the tear. So. <laughs> yeah. No, that was a terrific scene. And I love the whole thing about them sign proofing it, like how he's chosen that room to be above 
or below above yeah, that kind of neighbourly spat was such a nice little yeah, bag yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, Matt what, what was your initial it's, thoughts it's funny I wasn't convinced at first because I had this notion in my head like oh this is an episode like this is the one that's been picked and I was thinking it's kind of low stakes and the assassination plot line does take a back seat to the other stuff but I was like oh that's kind of the whole point here and like you say the, the writing between Odo and Kira is really nice and especially the writing in the scenes between Quark and Odo to have that kind of we're talking about the same thing but we're not saying it dynamic of like you know I love you really type thing yes. I'm, I'm guessing from that thing of, of Quark being like I'd never openly say you're my friend and it's kind of quite cold when he said like yeah, when Odo says, oh, I thought you'd done this for, you know, a friendly gesture. And he's like, nope, and walks off. And it's like, yeah. oh, come on, he's really there. And, uh, well, it's yeah. Jerry, it's like they can't live back. Yeah, <laughs> it's very Jerry. And my, my main note was just like, yeah, I really do love this cast. Like, this is coming off the pilot straight into this. I watched them both today, sort of back to back. And it's like, yeah, this is really solidifying the kind of character focus forward in these kind of episodes especially so well yeah I liked it as well uh, it's a real character piece I think and uh, Alice I, I think you really nailed it in the sense of showing how much these characters have developed since that pilot um, because you know I can't get the feeling that's what you wanted to demonstrate because of the fact that it, I've got to be honest most of TNG Picard aside I would say like you can watch an episode from like season two, an episode from season five, and you're not going to see massive amounts of movements in the characters. Whereas in this, I really felt like, oh, I felt like, yes, there's been four seasons between these episodes. Mm. You know, everyone seems genuinely different. Like they, all their relationships have developed immediately from that opening scene with Odo and Kira, you go, oh, right, okay, you know, they're proper old friends now. Everything like that. You know, Quark and Odo, it's like, okay, their relationship has developed to become, to go from genuinely antagonistic to now it's a little bit of a kind of, oh, we love each other really, but we'll kind of poke at each other. Um, and you re yeah, you really saw that, I thought, that really came across. Uh, Cisco obviously now looks visually different, mm -hmm. as we said before. It's very light on him as well. So, yeah, no, he's, he's not there much. <laughs> and now we've got Wolf on board as well. Yeah. Uh, so now we've you got. That was gonna happen, I I think I knew he he's in this show. I don't know at what point, and I'm guessing this is quite early on. It's very because he's still kind of talking there. as if he's getting used. He's to He's just got that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Beginning of season four is right. when Wolf's introduced. Right, right. Okay, so but he's already given sort of more to do here than he ever had in. Yeah, definitely. He, seen. he already seems like they're taking his character way more seriously. Mm. Than well, he's not being overruled every five seconds. Yeah. Well, he's the veteran there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he actually makes kind of almost like a reference to this because he comments that it was hard enough to maintain security on the Enterprise. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, because Picard was always shutting you down and not letting you do anything. <laughs> yeah. He was like, oh, it was very hard because I was never let to do anything ever. Yeah, no. But then you see a rare wolf victory almost, like where he's just like, I've apprehended the suspect, they confessed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, true. Kind of like, and his kind of weird OCD off with Odo that he has earlier, and they're both I talking like that. Make sure everyone knows they can't just drop by your quarters to say hello. If someone does, whatever happens, don't make them feel welcome. Of course not. That would only invite subsequent visits. Precisely. Just talking back to sort of what you're saying, the relationships and stuff, that, for example, is a really good way, uh, point in sort of seeing how 
because Odo and Wolf don't get along to begin with and it's nice to see them be able to Odo especially to be able to bond with someone mm. over something because they're quite similar characters they've got very similar roles if you think about what Wolf was doing on the Enterprise Wolf's trying to find his role on the on Deep Space Nine because he kind of feels like he should be doing Odo's job not because mm. Odo's bad because that's what he's used to doing and to have them sort of get on and then when Wolf finally apprehends that person it's sort of so crushing to Odo because he's been so distracted <laughs> yeah. by Shakar and Kira but what I also liked in terms of relationships is that at the very beginning you see Bashir and O'Brien and right and through sort of the first two seasons at least into the third they do not like each other well O'Brien just thinks Bashir is so irritating but they get the ultimate bromance <laughs> throughout by the end of the season they're like best friends Keiko's you know like jealous of Bashir because O'Brien and Bashir are so close and you just it's there's so many little pockets of friendships even outside of the main storyline which is Odo that you see and it's brilliant and it, it's nice to see those little things changing mm. it feels like you can take any two characters from this main seven or eight characters and sort of pair and it'll be a different dynamic for each one whether mm. they were once mm. friends now enemies so it's changing as well yeah yeah and that's just seems so different mm. for Star Trek because even now I think oh if you take Data and Geordie and put them in a room well, I don't know. It depends what the episode's about, what they're going to yes, chat about. You know. Yeah, plot-driven rather yeah. than character-driven, basically. Whereas this feels all about character. Because yes. like you say, it's, it's the opposite of what Star Trek episodes, original series were, where we yeah. just found it's like, there's barely four minutes of characterization in a 50-minute episode. Mm. It's you know, it's all plot, and it's just incidental. They might throw in a couple of character moments, and God help the, the supporting stuff out of the main trio. Mm to get anything out of mm. it. We were talking about like how it actually took to nineteen eighty two for them to get any sort of time <laughs> you know, for them to actually have a character moment. Like, and if anyone did get any like character arc in the original series, it'd be the guest actor. The guest yeah. character who's in like I come in as this, I end as this and then they're off. Yeah. Well that's the way that I actually kind of feel like almost there's more character work in the original series than there is in Next Generation in a way. Like in terms of because Gene made it so non conflict in Next Generation <laughs> It almost kind of shuts down character development in a way because uh, it is difficult to do it without conflict in there. Whereas TOS always had, seems to have a lot more oomph to it in that area, even though, as you say, you know, certainly in comparison with this, it's light years away. It's all degrees of self improvement, isn't it? It's like, Data, your monologue isn't quite up to scratch <laughs> this week during this soliloquy uh, from Shakespeare. <laughs> Try to practice it next time, huh? Right, we'll do that. Yeah. That's about <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, so I, I completely agree. I loved all of the relationships that we got in here or got hints of. Uh, like you say, like, you know, we don't see much of Bashir and O'Brien in this episode but immediately from that opening you get the sense of their friendship that let's do it because they're kind of you know kind of yeah. making gags at each other mm. and stuff and you get it I do remember those episodes where they kind of walk out of like the holodeck and they're dressed like in spy outfits or something like that or, yeah. or aviators or something like that from the from the turn of the century, uh, and it just uh, kind of didn't that kind of stuff didn't get me kind of like oh, I'm going to watch this every week. That's the trouble. It's kind of if you just catch bits of it, you find it really. It's you need to spend time with them to kind of get to love them. I think, isn't it? And just dipping in isn't going to do it. Mm. I almost feel that's why you need to slog through. Mm. No offense, Deep Space Nine, the first two seasons just to have the payoff of the rest of it. Yeah, wow. it doesn't work without the without the putting yeah. the time in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. Well, I mean, you know, I certainly came away from this wanting to spend more time with these characters. Yeah, definitely. definitely. 
Um, you know, I mean, to rewind to the beginning of the episode, um, you know, so straight away, uh, you know, get this opening scene where it's very clear that Odo has a big crush on Kira. Um, but they seem to have established definitely a very close friendship mm-hmm. at this point, very buddy buddy. Um, but you're not quite sure if you know Kira feels the same way. Just one thing I wanted to comment about: that I found there were some slightly odd comments when they were going through their kind of. Yes, there, there's like these jokey agree. comments about domestic violence and also like the right to protest, and I was like. Don't think Gene would be very happy about this. This yeah. doesn't seem like kind of mind you. Then again, with the misogyny in, I thought they were trying to be a bit clever because so. they they start mentioning a domestic like abuse case, and then almost the twist of the chat is that it was her beating on him. No, afterwards, like right, yeah. I, think I thought so. that was meant to be like, oh, we're, we're saying it's not just a man beating his wife; it's the other way around. So it's yeah, fine. no, it didn't. <laughs> I, I, it all seemed very victim blaming, mucky, yeah, mucky handling to me, and then to follow up with this idea of kind of, yeah, we shut down this protest. He's always protesting something. Like, isn't this awful? And I was like, this does not seem <laughs> like the Federation value system to me. No. And I, I thought it's that, a secret that felt bloody police. I mean, how do they know this guy <laughs> anyway? That's Stasi. <laughs> I found that a bit jarring to me. Like, you, you seem to make the space girl. Yeah, I felt exactly the same way re-watching, actually. I was like, mm, so it's victim blaming, but he's staying with her because the sex is great this isn't good either way whoever's beating up who this isn't healthy space madness yeah so I found that a bit (laughs) odd but you know the the interaction between them still in terms of you you get across that they've got very close that kind of works Um, and, and I really liked this idea of not only Odo and Quark's relationship of it being kind of this friendly rivalry but when he started talking about oh he's shape-shifting all through the night I was kind of like what? and then the idea of he shape-shifting into like deliberately heavy things to kind of annoy Quark it was really funny. I mean, it kind of reminded me of when I used to go around Paul's house and Paul's father uh, would refer to me going upstairs to see Paul's herd of bloody elephants. <laughs> and I was just like, this is a lit- It's like Quark is literally turning into an elephant and kind of like banging on the floor to annoy Quark. But even a mouse. Even, I, yeah, even a mouse annoys him. he's yeah, got yeah. frangy ears and he's very sensitive to all sound. Uh, okay. I just love that Odo would particularly pick the quarters above his just to piss him off. Yeah, that was really, really funny. And of course, we've referenced that it comes back to this later where actually he gets some soundproofing done and he denies that it's out of kind of mm-hmm. friendship to quite but we all know. It is, really. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, so oh, I did, I was surprised actually Odo characterized to just to lie that he, to um, the, uh, I don't know, senator from uh, Bajora, Bajor that he oh he's not aware that Kira has any feelings towards him when he does know that she does and I was surprised by that because I didn't think he was a character who would like a bit like a Vulcan almost that wouldn't lie but I think that's the whole po- the whole thing that's coming through in the episode though isn't it he's so distracted by how mm. he feels and he's never been this distracted before mm, yeah. and by the end he makes that decision to not be distracted mm. that that's it's showing that he he does have those emotions that everyone just assumes he doesn't and that everyone yeah. assumes he has no idea I suppose that's what it. love is or it's what more do for it. It hits. But I suppose if you gr- watch the characters straight through, then him doing the lie is actually that's in, in keeping with the change he's been going through, isn't it? Mm. In this episode, for me, mm. it stood out 
more mm-hmm. than it probably would have done yeah. if it was... Uh, We're like, oh, our assumptions of what his character or species is like means that this is a big or small deal, whereas, yeah, it's got it context. Sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's he's essentially breaking all his own rules, isn't he? Like, well, when you come to learn a little bit more about his backstory, both before and after this episode, you kind of learn that perhaps lying is... This isn't the first time he's he's done it, and he is more complex than perhaps people assume yeah I mean I you know to me uh, I just assumed when I saw that I was like oof man this is how much yeah he really likes her he's Mm. deliberately hiding the facts to try and make it so they don't get together you know he's really trying everything he can to kind of you know whenever they try to be alone he's like oh I must uh, escort you and everything like that you know it's it's, just stood to the side like "Eh, it's just his level of control though he he's so, he's so desperate to control his own own world because that's the only way he can cope that he has to be there to stand guard outside her quarters until he until she leaves the next morning or he leaves the next morning. Yeah. It's like oh no. I, just, I really just want him to like say oh oh could you come here? Like, I need I need some more uh, Trojans. Could you? <laughs> <laughs> could you run a run oh, There's a good chat. Yeah yeah. Well my notes oh, my geez. notes <laughs> my notes went from oh poor lovesick Odo to oh creepy stalker Odo. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, I felt that this was a kind of slight show of 90s TV where we're clearly meant to feel very sorry for Odo in this mm-hmm. episode. And don't get me wrong, I, I did feel emotion for him, but this is what I was going to say in regards to the friend zoning yeah. is when it comes to him turning around to her, he decides in his mind, right, I've, you know, as you say, I've got to compartmentalise this, essentially, and break our connection as friends to kind of go, because he's making it very clear to her, basically, mm. that we're not going to have the close friendship we once did. And certainly to me, it seemed that the actress who plays Kira, um, it's she was playing it as if secretly she may yeah, yeah. know deep down that he might have feelings for her and to me I felt like he was punishing her I felt like he was going like oh well you friend zone me so now you don't get to be my friend you're I not d- going to meet can- up anymore or anything you know I completely see what you mean and I think when I was saying earlier that he doesn't punish her I sort of meant it in the sense that he w- he didn't blame her right. he was very much trying to go this is how I need to cope to move forward mm. I'm being insane <laughs> yeah. I kind of need to cut this off mm. but unfortunately the way he communicates that because I think that the way in my head that I I'm going to put this in inverted commas, but forgive perhaps mm. his actions towards her are because this is like his first crush. You know when you have that first crush, yeah, and you don't, you're not thinking sensibly, and you're, you're. It's almost like he's got a teenage crush on her, and it needs to evolve into something healthy because that's not what it is at the moment. He, he doesn't. He almost fancies the idea of her rather than being with her because he doesn't understand what it is to be in a relationship. Yeah, and I think. It was good when he cut it off like that because if he'd told her how he felt, it just would have been mm. a bit awkward. Mm. But she, I do agree with you. I mean, it is a little bit, mm. it is a little bit punishing at the same time for her because she's like, I don't understand why mm. I don't get my best friend anymore. Well, it's the second instance, isn't it, of a scene where two characters are saying one thing and meaning another. So you got him doing it with Quark where they're not saying what yeah. they're actually mm-hmm. saying, and he's doing it again there. And yeah, you do get the sense that she knows. She's kind of like, yeah little smile to herself when she's there. Well, not, you know, a little... Well, she mm. seems to be trying... 
you know, almost reach him and kind of like almost saying like, oh, do you do you have to do this? And then like, mm. you know, and I did forgive him as well because I kind of got it even though, you know, I, I can't remember episodes in between this or anything. Um, I got this impression just from watching the pilot and then watching this that he developed a huge amount since that pilot and had become a lot more human um, as it were, like as he goes on, and now he was almost reverting to the character type he was in the pilot, and really that was essentially punishing himself in the sense mm. of all this development he'd made because of perhaps his you know connection to Kira uh, and maybe other friendships he'd made. He was kind of going back to this very straight laced, unfeeling kind of character. Like, I mean, and that was quite he's sad. He's always been a bit grumpy, so I, I wouldn't say that he's he's made a, 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 he's a progressed by leaps and bounds right. and suddenly reverts right back to the beginning. I think it's more that we just see a little bit more about how he's feeling in this episode because we right. have this focus on him. I would slightly disagree that Kira completely thinks that he, he does have this crush. I think she thinks something's weird and he won't communicate. But there's a scene after she gets together with Shakar where she kind of sort of expresses that she's like, oh, you probably won't understand this. Oh, right. So I, I, I don't actually think she... There might be something at the back of her head that knows, but I don't feel at any point that she definitely knows there's a crush. Not that that should matter in any sort of way. Mm. Yeah. Because he's still not communicating. He's not acting... I suppose like an adult yeah. would in a, an adult re- relationship, but I would, I think this is the one of the episodes where we see Odo sort of uh, break down a barrier. Actually, in this, especially right. when it comes to Quark, he really rips down some walls by the end of that episode mm. because he's so heartbroken, and then because Quark handles that in a way that doesn't pity him, mm. that's how their friendship. Survives it, yeah. Yeah, look, yeah. Like, frenemies thing moves forward. He's like, you need me to be a bit of a dick to you, yeah. Because that's yeah. what pity isn't need. what he wants. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I loved Quark in this episode. Who's the actor who plays Quark? Armin Shimmerman. Uh, I thought he's he, the principal. So Buffy. good. Yes, I, yeah, I, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know he's uh, Snyder, uh, mm. isn't he? And Buffy, yeah. Um, I think he's brilliant in this episode because that moment when they're at the sort of. Um, it's not a dinner party, is it? It's just kind of like there's like a, a function. Yeah, it's a function. function. And he's there, and he clocks that Odo clearly is in love with Kira. He he genuinely cares about him as well, a friend. He, because if he was an antagonistic, he would have found a way like, oh, I'm going to have fun with this. Mm. Yeah, and, and that's not what like, happens. He's not like trying to like play it up or like rib him about it. He's just mm. like actually sort of like I've noticed, and you can't hide it. I'm I'm finding it funny that you can't hide it, rather than I'm going to get in the way. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a plot there where he goes to Odo. He's like, oh, she's uh, you know she's actually doesn't like that guy at all. She likes you, and then he's doing all that kind of bullshit to set up like stuff, and then they can just sit back and watch. But yeah. yeah. It's not getting involved. He's really good to him, I think, as a friend in this episode. And I think all the scenes between them are really strong. Mm. Um, and I think it's, it's you know, good on quite and sense because he does keep trying to reach out. And when he realises that Odo just ain't never going to kind of, you know, reach out back to him in that way, he kind of resets their relationship mm-hmm. kind of, you know, in a knowing hey, you know, we do kind of carry each other, we're not going to admit it, way. And that is really, really nicely played, I think. 
question about Quark. Yeah. Did you enjoy his onesie at the end? <laughs> it was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Where can I get one? Nineties <laughs> space fashion. Well, we haven't, haven't we wondered at one point, like you know, all these people must sleep, so they must have space pajamas and Starfleet issued onesies. It's about time we saw them, and now we have. Well, there's the dress uniforms at the beginning yeah. of uh, O'Brien and Bashir, isn't yeah. there? We saw that the, the main the Sergeant Motion picture is the main uniforms. Yeah, that's very true. Talking about Wolf and Odo's um, scene together earlier, what I really like that. Um, how it showed the difference between Next Generation and this in terms of character development and conflict is essentially it seemed like them addressing the issue that there was at the beginning of TNG where you had Worf and Tasha Yar doing essentially mm. the same role and in, they were both security officers and now it's a similar situation here but here they're actually addressing it properly and saying building a bit of conflict between them and working that out because you know they have this connection about you know this slight OCD nature and the fact that they're quite antisocial yeah. and so I mean I, it was very funny that dialogue between them when Wolf was talking about O'Brien like, maybe Od I should be not as hospitable it's just the way Odo was like well don't you think it's because you used to be mates on the Enterprise and he's just like oh, I'm having friends <laughs> I just wanted to see that subplot as well like, there was a few things O'Brien yes, yeah, comes around for I dinner agree. I agree. Like, Get out. I really hope that that is an element call of another episode have, oh clearly despite the fact they are obviously grilled I mean, it seemed to me just watching this episode that Michael Dawn was so happy to have some better writing for his character in his performance yeah. to me I, to me he just seemed like oh now I actually get to act like properly yeah. going like you know well that's the thing well he has the, the far and away the most featured actor in the entire Star Trek universe yeah god I guess he would be wouldn't he yeah we hmm. have like 11 seasons plus 4 films oh, yeah well, 5 films because he played uh, his grandfather in 6 so yeah wow. I mean there's nobody who comes close in terms of like screen time uh, yeah, I episode. never thought about that. He wins. He wins the Star Trek. He wins Star Trek, doesn't he? Like, whoa, yeah, yeah, and impressive stuff. And I, I want to see more Worf now in DS9, definitely, because it just feels like his character gets screwed over with TNG time <laughs> he, and time. He gets some good storylines, because considering that um, the Klingons leave the Federation, they go, they attack... Cardassia, one of their leaders, ends up being a changeling. There's just so much that goes on that Worf gets to be a part of and yeah. have conflict in. Absolutely. His, look, his ties to Starfleet are tested to the limit, aren't they? Mm. And I think, you know, that conflict that was burning in through the whole of the next gen is, you know, was simmering, but now it's like, I think, really played out on a massive, I mean, it's epic scale as Star Trek's ever done, I think, mm. in this Deep Space Nine. From what I recall, the episode I have seen of this, it's just. He really comes into his own, and it's it's kind of funny, like almost like that makes the the films almost incidental and sort of a sidebar because they always have to invent an excuse for him to come on and be in the next gen film still because he's a bit just on the crew, but on the show he's actually doing his best stuff, you know. So. Yeah, no, I think you're completely right. I mean, 
first contact aside, again, he doesn't really get a great deal to do in the movies. Like, like, oh, God, yeah, an insurrection. I mean, that really seems like they're kicking the character when he's down. Like, you know... Um, the many humiliations of war. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what it feels like. So it's re- I mean, I remember randomly seeing an advert on TV when they released the Star Trek Deep Space finale um, on video. It would have been video back in those days. Uh, because it, it looked really big budget for TV, like big space battles and stuff. And I just remember there was a moment they showed in the trailer where Carve Wharf goes over to Cisco and like shakes his hand. It's like, it's an honor. It's been an honor to serve with you, sir, or whatever. And I thought, oh, this looks fucking epic. Like, this looks really, and I was like, it made me want to watch the whole show because I was comparing it to TNG, where by then I, I had seen that finale, which is very good, but, does essentially feel like oh we know we've got the movies to go to so it's fine going like you know whereas this seems like wow this seems like some kind of huge epic finale where they're going to end it all and really that's the first time star trek would have done that because last episode of original series wouldn't have been planned as the last episode last episode of TNG they knew they had the movie so it didn't have to be a proper end in a week like yeah yeah, exactly like um, whereas this they were going we haven't got any movies to go to this is a full stop Mm. on the show and that is a really intriguing idea to me and makes me want to watch more definitely That's a good time for final thoughts, I think. Well, that is your final thought, Liam. We're not going to go back to you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Are you going to be watching more of this? Yes. No, I will definitely do a similar thing. So I've been referring to this. There's a list that on the interwebs, it's uh, Empire Magazine, did a 50 greatest Star Trek episodes list encompassing all series. So it's all jumbled up, all mixed yeah. up. So I picked out the best original series and TNG ones from there. So I'll see what they got on there for DS9. I think they had a lot by the looks of it. But and, uh, whatever the recommendations we have. DS9, as we know, is the first show to go arc-heavy yeah. at a certain point, where it literally is proper season arcs and stuff like that. Is there a time, do you think, where you're going to get to a point where now I need to watch? Well, this is the thing. Uh, uh, you know, this is the series where I probably could or slash would have to just do it all if I'm doing it. So I'd be more likely to do this one all than the other two, just because I can pick out the greatest of the original series in TNG and not miss too much and kind of whiz through whereas this depending on the strength of it as a whole oh man seven, I, seven I just seasons. wish I'd watch it I have no friends yeah <laughs> back when there wasn't all this TV everywhere well what I would say is Alice I get the impression there is a certain point where DS9 goes from being the typical episodic trek to oh now it's a proper arc show serialised would you say there's a point where it flips and now it's like every episode oh you know off the top of my head I'm not sure but there are it's it's kind of like the X-Files there are episodes in it where you're like this is a one off Uh like there's an episode where they're they're back in the 50s and Cisco is this uh, sci-fi writer isn't he yeah and he he fights for it's it's about racism and stuff so that's like a a standalone one that's really powerful and that's I can't remember what it's called but that's one of the I remember when they're listed that's one of the top episodes Mm. and there's one where Cisco dies and it's about Jake dealing with his his death and that's another standalone episode but then you do have the overall story so I guess you could dip in and out I'm, I mean I'm, I'm kind of personally I like to dive in and then binge Right. I, w- right. I would at least recommend watching one to six 
seven, you can take it or leave right, it, in right. my opinion. Oh, it really? Don't. Well, it ends, you have to get to the end to end everything. Do you, to, do you think it ends strong, like finale, do you think? No. From what no? I remember, no. <laughs> That trailer for the VHS It's really good and I think you have to watch it to the end. Okay, okay, okay. But season seven is not the strongest. Oh, I guess if you've okay. done one to six, you may as well. You may as well yeah, well and I don't I don't really wanna I mean in case anyone does wanna watch season seven, I don't wanna say why Okay. It's not my favourite. Okay. okay. Did Bashir get fat or something? <laughs> yeah. I am not shallow. <laughs> um, but no, it's it's it, Bashir is part of the problem. Oh um, no! It's, it's not because he changes. It's it's got nothing to do with my love. He's <laughs> <laughs> still strong. the one in there. Lee. It, they they make an interesting choice, um, okay. or I don't know if it's a choice, but something happens, and I don't. I don't like it. Oh. I just don't like it. I mean, oh, people might like dear. it. It's not for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I would be interested to, because in my head, I always thought that this was a show where it would get better and better as it went along. So I'd be interested to hear other people's thoughts. Paul, mm. I, I think it's it's the most intimidating task yeah. yet is Deep Space Nine the simple reason of the, the arc-heavy stuff that I couldn't... I mean, Next Gen I watched when I had, you know, time. Voyager I watched as it mm. went out. I feel like, you know, it's just, I can't picture the time I'm going to have yeah. to do this. See, like, it's knowing I've got it. to start watching Voyager in like a month as well. I it's like, know, oh, know. Know. we've got plenty of time before we go back around. Cause we're, we're going got... on hiatus for a year, right? <laughs> 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 we've got 700 hours to watch. What, what we're basically uh, planning to do is we've got these episodes where we're getting guests on who are actually into these shows properly to pick episodes for us to watch, to get us into them. And then we're going to have a bit of a buffer where we'll explore some other aspects of the Star Trek universe like the comic books an episode that I'm very excited about and then what we'll do is we'll return to the series after some time of actually being able to watch plenty of episodes yeah, I'm and talk gonna about them again so we've got it. the time guys we've got yeah. the time I mean it's a good yeah. thing that we're in an era where TV's absolutely rubbish and there's nothing else to watch <laughs> <laughs> so um, but yeah now I will be um, revisiting Night. And in fact, I started watching the second episode and it was a bit of a slow start, i got to say. I was like, oh, coming straight off the pilot. And uh, the, the, the teaser was hilariously, like, sort of one note. And you're like, that that was it. Um, <laughs> it's basically like uh, Bashir coming in uh, on a... a well, Jazzy is playing, like, the most hardcore game of Donkey Kong of all time, <laughs> something like that. And uh, and he takes over and completely makes a real mess of it, you know. And uh, and uh, oh, and, that's it. and that's it. That's the end of the beginning. But it's it's so character driven. But I feel like yeah, it's going to take a little it's, while. It's a slow start. I, I will yeah. admit that. I, yeah. I, especially when I've been rewatching it, it's been a. It was nice to get to season three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, I love it, and, and it's good back up and, and it, it fills in all the the politics and the re, and the religion that I, I had, didn't have a chance to sort of like go into because my episode doesn't really touch too much on that but there's it's so rich mm. it's, just, it's, just, it's world yeah. building it really yeah, it revels in building. revels in the in the details the background stories yeah. that you wouldn't really get another show like that so I have started watching it from season 4 when it went out I think there are thereabouts where Wolf did come into it he was my draw as a Star Trek next generation I was like this is a chance to see more of a character and I think that really did sell me and I finally mm. started watching then with him as my kind of like guide almost I was coming on board with with him, and and I started to like the characters on that show. And I, I had seen, I've seen quite a few of five, four, five, and six. And I don't think I saw the end, so I think I want to go back and, and redo it. There's the episode 
where they go back into the Trouble with Tribbles episode of the yes. original series. That's one I know the about. The crossover with yeah. the original series. Back to the Future 2. As memory shows, like, the effects are amazing for the time. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact it's seamless, like, them being in it. Is that correct? Or, or yeah, from what I remember of it t- as well, it, 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 there's, a, there's a scene where, like, Kirk turns around to talk to one of them, and I'm like... I remember watching it the first time thinking, how do they do this? Do they get the actors back? This is also 20 years before Peter Cushing like, yeah. read one. Yeah. And, you know, that didn't look great. So it must yeah. be like... It's, it's just, very clever editing. Yeah, very clever. But a bit like um, Play It Again, Sam, or uh, um, Dead Men Don't Wear Played. Yeah. Yes, yes like, Vlad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like... Uh, I remember seeing the episode as well because I remember that being a big event when yeah. that episode came along at the Is it, time. It must be like the hundredth DS9 episode or something, or the fortieth anniversary of Trek. I, I think it might have been an anniversary thing, yeah, like thirtieth or thirty fifth, something like that. And oh, I suppose actually it'd be the thirtieth, wouldn't it? Because yeah. it'd be late nineties, yeah. Um, so I remember it being a big deal at the time and yeah I remember seeing the episode and really enjoying mm. it uh, it was really fun so I'm looking forward to seeing it again especially as I've never seen The Trouble with the Tribbles oh. the original it's episode. one I have done and it's one of the best oh is, there, oh is it The Trouble with the Tribbles is, is the later one uh, Trials and Tribulations is the uh, DS9 Is the DS9, so tri- Trouble the Tribbles is the TOS one. Yeah, must yeah. Be, yeah. Uh, like, And it's a really, really good I haven't good got to that one yet. Uh, so. Yeah, I think it's like yeah. pure Scotty Barber all if I remember. Yeah, that's the one where the, the Klingon, oh, the Klingon's going like, didn't say the Enterprise was only good for hauling trash. I said it is trash. And Scotty's like, I see. <laughs> <laughs> After he's been trying to get one to not start fights. It sounds <laughs> amazing. I cannot wait. So it sounds like until we're all pretty sold on DS9, perhaps yeah. to a greater extent than ever in the sense of, you know, wanting to explore perhaps much more of the series than we usually would as this is the first thing that's not been you yeah. know these, these characters in this setting excite me more than TNG so the TNG draw for me is just like finding those great single episodes yeah the high, you know the very highlights of Trek from that point of view whereas this one it's like oh I could go in anywhere really um, Alice would Crossfire be your favourite episode of DS9 or is it just one that you thought would be a good pick both. 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 Oh. I'd say, I'd, well, I'd say it's one of my favourites because I'm sure I could probably find more that I absolutely love. There wasn't much mm-hmm. Bashir in it, Alice. <laughs> well, well as, down, I, as I said earlier, Bashir was from my 20s. Okay, <laughs> me and my family. You've since burned all of those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've destroyed the DVDs. Oh, do you man. have a favourite season overall, do you think, if you had to pick? Probably either season four or season five. No. It's, it's oh, okay. tough to decide, but once Wolf comes in, it it does get better and better. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Is that when... Because the Dominion's the big enemy in yeah. DS9, right? And that's when you sort of learn more about Odo and the changelings and the founders, and it just... Oh, so interesting. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. Okay, well, next month we'll be talking about Star Trek Voyager obviously uh, something which I've 
only ever seen the first five minutes of the pilot. So yeah, <laughs> oh, well, there we go. Well, I originally I switched off, mate, uh, <laughs> after five minutes. So it will be interesting to see. Again, the episode, you go. I switched off again. This, I got nothing to say. Paracord yeah. does have like a similar DS9 opening crawl, um, which would be interesting to see if it still does memories right on that one. Oh um, yeah, that was a bit weird, wasn't it? I thought I was watching Star Wars for a second. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was very. But at least you didn't wish you were. Uh, Yes, no, that's that's very true. Um, Caravan of Courage any day. (laughs) Alice, have you got anything you want to plug or anything like that? Uh, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram with at No More Parades. And if you happen to like Stargate SG1, do get in touch. I need friends. Yeah, Yeah, well, if if (laughs) anyone's required, I need an excuse. I just want to have a talk about it. Just, just, just want someone else who actually likes Stargate. Yeah, I mean, if anyone wants to co-host a podcast about Stargate SG One and the rest of the Stargate universe, yeah, get in touch. I guess get yeah. in touch with Alice uh, Twitter handle. There you go. Happen here's the origin story. He, like, yeah, could do. You know, um, actually, I should mention, funnily enough, one of our previous guests, Eleanor, uh, who was on our Star Trek episode so it's the first JJ uh, film Uh, she has started a podcast herself um, called Bygones Uh, by the time this episode goes out I think there'll be two episodes out Uh, it is an episode by episode dissection of Ali McBeal uh, for anyone who remembers that show kind of legal comedy drama from the late 90s uh, and basically the idea is her and her sister are analysing it through kind of 2018 eyes now as it was a show that when it came out was seen as quite, quite progressive almost quite feminist and it, it may be that it hasn't stood the test of time <laughs> quite so well so if you watched that show um, back in the day and you're interested in revisiting it or if you just want to try it out then I definitely would recommend uh, bygones. Uh, yeah, I have it's... not seen Alan McBeal, but I'm a big fan of the pilot yep. podcast. The podcast so is brilliant. Very good. Yeah, you guys have all listened. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna live vicariously through it rather than watch Alan McBeal. Well, so. there you go. I mean, that's a recommendation <laughs> in itself. I mean, at the end of the day, if you can listen to the podcast without having seen an episode of Alan McBeal and still just want to listen to the podcast and not watch Alan McBeal, <laughs> that is a recommendation in itself. So definitely, I can't be doing Deep Space Nine and Alan McBeal. <laughs> 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 so you were, yeah, it's like you've got no time for it. It's all about Star Trek now. Uh, so yeah, definitely go and check that out. It's called Bygones, uh, the Alima Bill podcast. Fantastic. Well, um, yeah, that's a, I guess that wraps it up from uh, from us here at Spotlight. I just want to say thanks for listening. And I've been Paul Wilson. I've been Liam Dempsey. I've been Matt Brothers. And I've been Alice Farrant. Thanks for having me. Goodbye. Woo. Catchphrase. Well, I don't know what's going on. There are no catchphrases <laughs> yeah. in Space Nine. <laughs>